And our role together is to attempt to make this work with all the good and all the bad, to find a way to continue to grow together, to evolve together. And sometimes it's not going to be pretty. And there are often times where there's tears and moments of anger and sadness and disappointment. But I look at those as moments of growth. Those are moments of growth. And as long as we remember that we're in this together, and I always remind you of this, that mm -hmm. no matter what happens, we're always on the same team. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Pete's Doc Talk podcast, a podcast that keeps growing because of you and your reviews. So thank you so much for tuning in and being here today. After my last Finding Joy episode, I had a few reviews that I really wanted to share. So continue to add those reviews. We are almost at a thousand reviews at the time of this recording. And I wanted to just share a couple that truly mean so much to me. I love hearing your feedback. I love hearing how these episodes resonate with you, especially these Finding Joy episodes. The first review was from Cheer Girl 9 Very relatable. The Finding Joy episode about being tired of making lemonade was amazing. I feel so validated. My son has special needs and people would tell me how lucky it was that his mom was a preschool special education teacher, so she must know exactly what to do. While that was true in some degree, it didn't make the diagnosis any less difficult. I appreciate Dr. Mona saying it's okay to feel that way. I felt the same way. Make sure you listen to that Finding Joy episode about making lemons out of lemonade because I talk about going through grief and the things that people say when you're going through a hard time. The other review was from Shreya1810, and she wrote, Love it. I have been listening to Dr. Mona's podcast since day one. It is rare to find a podcast that's informative, motivating, and uplifting at the same time. Dr. Mona does this beautifully. I really love her Finding Joy series episodes and listen to them multiple times. Thank you so much for all your dedication, vulnerability, and knowledge, Dr. Mona. Please keep it coming. Thank you so much, Shreya. It means so much to me to read these reviews because I love providing this blend for you on this podcast. And on this Finding Joy episode, I normally do these on my own, but I invited a very special guest. On this episode, I invite my husband, Gaurav, to talk to me about finding joy in marriage and parenting. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Well, we're sitting in two different rooms in our house that we could record this, and I am so excited to talk to you. You know, we've done a live before for anyone who follows me on my Instagram. This was right when the pandemic started. But now I'm just so excited to have my husband, Gaurav, on the episode. How are you doing today, sweetie? I'm good. I've been looking forward to this chat for a really long time, so I'm excited to be here. Well, we are doing a Finding Joy episode um, about marriage and you know navigating all the things that we do as parents. And I had asked my followers on my Instagram account for questions, and that's going to kind of guide this conversation. And, you know, me and my husband have been through a lot. You know, we work in healthcare in a pandemic. We had Ryan through traumatic birth. So we've had a lot of ups and downs, if you will. I'm sure you can agree, right? Yeah, we have definitely had our fair share of ups and downs over the years. And, uh, you know, we've gotten through them together. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a few more uh, coming our way in the future. But yeah, we've we've been through a lot together for sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of that happened ever since Ryan's delivery. I mean, obviously there were ups and downs before Ryan's delivery, but it feels like the last two years, um, having a child in a pandemic and all that happened at his birth has been kind of the the changing point. If you agree, yeah, I think that you know 
we took a moment that was supposed to be a very exciting point in our life with the birth of our first child and all the the things that we were looking forward to. And then life kind of just smacked us in the face right away. And it's kind of been a, I wouldn't want to say a never ending cycle, but, you know, soon after the pandemic started, you know, being frontline worker in a pandemic, not sure of how safe it was to go to work, securing PPE and, and all the things that have kind of trickled down from that point forward. Um, safe to say, you know, it's been a difficult a couple of years, I would say for sure. Yeah. And you know, marriage sometimes takes a backseat to all of this when you have work and children and all of that. And so a lot of my followers were asking, you know, how do we make our marriage work? And obviously I think every marriage has their ups and downs and there's always going to be something to learn out of every relationship. But what do you think makes this situation work? Our schedules is one of the biggest things, you know, my husband, Gaurav, he's an ER doc. So shift work. So there's mornings and evenings and afternoons and weekends. And I also work in healthcare. I have more of a nine to five and I work part-time and work on the podcast and other stuff. But what do you think makes our marriage work? Like, what do you think are the good things that kind of, you'll say, you know what, this is something that helps us. This is something that, you know, helps our communication, things like that. I think one of the biggest things for you and I, uh, and I, I mentioned this quite often to you is that one person's strengths are the other person's weakness and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so that's very apparent in our marriage, as you know, that there are certain things that I'm really good at and certain things that I'm not great at. And I'll give an example to everyone. It's like, you know, organization and being on top of deadlines and making sure that food meals are scheduled and Ryan's things are scheduled and all that stuff. Like that is where you excel at more than, than anyone. And those are areas in life where I could probably do better. Um, and vice versa. And so I think that we do a great job of complementing each other's uh, strengths and weaknesses really well. And that makes for a well-oiled machine, uh, if you'd say, in terms of our team and the way we work together. I, I love that. And I, I appreciate you so much because like when we do go through those moments of, you know, either you're having a hard time or I'm having a hard time. I mean, the, I'll, I'll use the example, the traumatic delivery, we both were going through a very hard time. That was actually probably in the last two years, the one thing that both of us at the same time were grieving at the same time, going through the motions. And then since then, we've kind of had, like you said, that balance of, you know, I help you, you help me and we pick each other up, which has been very much a blessing. You know, I love that, that we can kind of look at each other and say, okay, here's your strengths and here's what I excel at and how are we going to mix it together? One of the things like I really love that we started doing a little more consistently, I would say like in the last month from this recording are the check-ins, you know, like I know you actually brought it up. You wanted to kind of make sure that we check in every evening on something that wasn't just related to tasks, right? I mean, I think so many times we, in marriage, especially you get used to like, okay, what do I have to do for Ryan? Who needs to go to the grocery store? What do we need to do for this X, Y, and Z trip or whatever? And it becomes so task-driven and I really love that we do those check-ins. Can you tell people like what we do with those check-ins? Yeah. So just to, you know, back on what you were saying, piggyback on what you were saying, it can be very easy to fall into the mundane routines of life and whatnot and, and schedules and getting your kids here and getting your kids there and swim classes and all of that stuff that oftentimes relationships, you know, marriages can take the back seat when the child is the priority. And what can happen at times is you almost function as roommates as opposed to 
a couple and a marriage mm-hmm. and a lot of that romance and that intimacy and those deep conversations that you had, you know, before you had children kind of go by the wayside. And I think those conversations are still important to have. And so I like to take a few moments or minutes during the night before we go to bed to really talk on a deeper level, not just about the mundane tasks that we have to do the next day, but to connect on a deeper level in terms of how we're feeling that day. What's some of the things that are making us anxious or, you know, sad, or or what are some things that we're excited about or looking forward to, you know, just sitting without any distractions, without any phones, kind of looking each other uh, in the eye. Uh, And this could be something that could take five minutes. You could spend 30 minutes at doing it, but I just think that, you know, with so many distractions in life right now, uh, with your phone at your waist side and all the things that we have to get done as parents, you can lose that intimacy very, very quickly. And I think that that tends to cause some issues in marriages if you're not careful about it. And days can turn into weeks and weeks Mm -hmm. turn into years. And before you know it, you're not even sure who the other person is that you're looking at across the table. So I think it's important that you take time. It doesn't have to be every day, but, uh, you know, Date, scheduling date nights regularly or taking the time to really connect on a spousal level is super important for the health of the relationship and just uh, for the health of the family unit as a whole. I love it. We, Gaurav actually calls it the state of the union meetings. Like we talk about like how things are going and we used to do them less frequently and now we're doing it more. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, like with our schedules, right? Because Gaurav works a lot of evenings. So he'll work, you know, like during the bedtime routine evenings when he does work, he doesn't work every day. So it's not happening that we're doing this every day. Of course, we talk via like text messaging and stuff, but it's not the same, right? Texting each other about how things are going is not the same as sitting in a room and feeling your feelings and talking with you about, hey, like, here are my feelings right now. And I think that's the big thing, right? These check-ins are not just like, hey, so how's it going? It's like, hey, like, how are you feeling about Ryan's da da da? How are you feeling about your career? How are you feeling about the situation, you know, that's going on? So it's a deeper connection of feelings and who doesn't love talking about feelings. And I think, was that something that came easy to you to just talk to me about feelings? Like, I mean, our relationship kind of started with us talking more because we met online before we actually met in person. So our entire relationship was actually based on talking. I mean, our first phone conversation was what, like seven hours? As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Artube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains.
Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes no shopping prepping cooking or cleanup i work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are head to factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 and use code pedsdoctalk50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next box that's code pedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, our first few conversations were, I mean, before we even met, I think we were just talking for a month nonstop. And, um, you know, having really deep, uh, connected calls and conversations. And, you know, that's something that has not always been easy for me, being an introvert that I am expressing myself going a layer deeper uh, than surface level talk uh, has not been something that's been always easy for me. But I find that when I'm able to go to that next level is where I truly find wisdom and strength and, and all those things to make this relationship and our marriage work. So no, it hasn't always been easy for me to be vulnerable and, and things of that nature. But uh, the more we do it, the better we get at it. So I think that it's important that you try to make that effort and see what you can get out of it, you know? Yeah. I love marriage and I love being married to you because obviously you learn so much through the process. It's kind of like being a parent, right? When you're a parent, you learn through the process of being a parent more about your role as a parent, but also about yourself. And I think one of the biggest things that we had to learn, and I'm going to speak for myself, is that we are different in how we communicate and we are different in our extroversion, introversion. Like you mentioned that you're more of an introvert. Like I think it's safe to say that I'm more of an extrovert. And going back to what you said about the balance, right? Like we balance each other out. We absolutely balance each other out on that aspect. Now, I am more of a selective extrovert. And I think you are too. Like some situations, you'll be more likely to be more extroverted. But I think that was so important to me through the, what, six years that we've been married and the nine years that we've been together to kind of start to learn more that I can't expect you to be a certain way right? I think in marriage, you sometimes think that, okay, well, I marry this person, I can change them, or I can make them this way, or they'll be like this, or, you know, and it's really important to kind of remember that this is the person you married, we grow together, we grow individually. But I also have to respect the fact that, you know, I can't force or push you to communicate a certain way, or maybe your love language is different, right? Like I may be more like physical affection where you're more like, gifts or acts of service, you know, like you make breakfast for me or something like that versus more hugs and kisses. Right. And I think that is such an important thing for people to realize that you've got to know each other's communication style, love language, and just also all of that to kind of be able to work with each other and not try to essentially fix each other. Because I think that's when you can kind of get into the um, disappointment, right? Like when you're just in a fixing mode versus a, Hey, here's who you are and let's now make this work and let's, grow and be better together. Yeah. I love the thing that you uh, commented about, like trying to fix the other person. And I think that 
this is something that's very pervasive in a lot of relationships in this day and age. And, you know, what I'll say to the people out there is that we can only control one thing. And the only thing that we can control is ourselves and our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we will find ourselves in relationships that will fill certain needs that we may have not gotten as a child or, or things like that nature, or we'll get into a relationship and we'll say things like, oh, when he or she does this, or when I get them to do this, things will be great. And I will remind everyone that we have no control over another person's actions or thoughts or anything like that. We have no idea what the other person has gone through in their lifetime, how they process the environment around them, how they react to certain things. And the sooner that you're able to accept that and accept that your role in this relationship is to not be able to change the other person, but to change yourself and to change your perspective about the other person, you'll find inner peace mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. You won't have unmet expectations. You won't have this uh, feeling of disappointment or ask the what ifs or what could be. When you turn the focus inwards instead of outwards, that's when you find true inner peace and wisdom. And that's not easy to do sometimes, right? Like you were mentioning, you know, we have very different stories before we ever met in the yeah. way we were raised and things of that nature. And those stories of how we were raised shaped who we are today. And they're very, very different. And, you know, me and you talk about this all the time, how different our upbringing was from your family to my family. And we both bring those strengths and traumas with us into the marriage. And it's our job to recognize some of the not so pleasant things about our upbringing and, and the qualities that we have um, and to not ignore them, but to acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. But it's also important to acknowledge the other person's traumas as well and understand that they are not perfect. They are a flawed human being, just like I'm a flawed human being. And our role together is to attempt to make this work with all the good and all the bad to find a way to continue to grow together, to evolve together. And sometimes it's not going to be pretty. And there are often times where there's tears and moments of anger and, and sadness and disappointment. But I look at those as moments of growth. Those are moments of growth. And as long as we remember that we're in this together, and I always remind you of this, that mm -hmm. no matter what happens, we're always on the same team. And we're never playing for a different team against each other. Yeah. That we're always in this together. And even if I'll say something that upsets you or you'll do something that kind of irks me, I just always kind of remind myself that we made a conscious decision to form this union and I'm going to honor that union by accepting you fully for who you are, the good and the bad, and that we're just going to continue to try and make this work every day, knowing that it's not going to be pretty at times. Yeah. And without putting immense expectation on what a perfect relationship should look like or should feel like, uh, because I think that's a lot of what ends up happening in this day and age is that a lot of people carry around these expectations of what their spouse is going to look like or what marriage is going to feel like. And when those expectations go unmet, there's a certain level of disappointment. And if that disappointment is not dealt with, that disappointment turns into resentment. Mm -hmm. And once you go down the rabbit hole of resentment, there's no coming back at that point. So it's about just being mindful that you can't control the other person 
you shouldn't try to change anyone except for changing your own thoughts and trying to be a better version of yourself and bringing that to the table. And I, I, this is why I love our check-ins. Like this is for for everyone listening. Like this is what we kind of do in our check-ins. Like we talk about life growth, not just about, you know, tasks, like we said, but just about feelings and how we can just be better for each other. And, you know, one thing I'll say about Gaurav is that, and I do for him too, is that we call each other out on things that we need to improve on, like in a nice way, right? Like he'll say like, you know, like, the reaction that you gave me or what you said may not, you know, it didn't make me feel good or whatever. And then vice versa, there's that, that happening on a two way street, which I think is so helpful for growth. And I'll be honest, sometimes I get a little bit like, wait, what, like, what are you telling me? And I have to sit back and say, well, yeah, he's actually kind of right that maybe I should do this a little bit better, or I could be this a little bit better. And that takes a lot of humility. That takes a lot of insight, which I think, you know, one thing I love about Gaurav so much is that he also has humility and insight as well. Insight into understanding that he's human and that we're, like he said, flawed and that we're amazing at certain things and that we can grow in certain things. And I think that's what makes us work in a way. And, you know, I think when you're so busy with life and careers and stuff like that, this can all go to the wayside. Like we mentioned, how would you say you find joy in the marriage or find joy in the relationship when things are kind of more difficult or, you know, you're so busy, like how do we kind of connect when it seems like we're just kind of getting into that roommate mode? Like what would you say has been really helpful? Um, Well, you know, I think that at a certain point in everyone's relationships or marriage, especially when there's kids involved, you're going to go into this sort of autopilot Mm -hmm. mode, right? This routine. And that's not a bad thing, right? Routine is a good thing. You know, children need structure, like you mentioned, and they need routine and they need all those things. So I'm not lambasting routines or any of that. I'm just putting emphasis on that. You have to also have moments where you do check in with the other person that you're going through life with just to make sure that you're letting it out there, what some of those things that may be bothering that person or or feelings or whatnot Um, you know, and I think we've done a a pretty good job in the last two years, especially with, you know, the pandemic, it's made things difficult. Restaurants were closed and stuff like that. But, you know, one of the things that you and I love the most is getting dressed up and going out for a nice dinner, having a couple of cocktails and, you know, talking about what our dreams are, what our aspirations are, you know, talking about Ryan and how much he's grown up and what we hope for the future. I think that's one of the things that you and I enjoy the most. We enjoyed traveling before the yeah. pandemic as well. So we hope to continue to do that. But um, yeah, just taking those moments after Ryan goes to bed, um, sitting down, watching a show together, talking about it. You know, none of these things are like super fancy or require all of this hoopla and, and fanfare. These are just like simple acts of connection yeah. that anyone can take at any point during the day, regardless of how. Uh, busier schedules are. Uh, it's a matter of making it a priority. And if yeah. you don't make it a priority, something else is going to take its place and you're going to fill your time with something else. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. So I think it's always important that you and I prioritize our marriage and our relationship, whether it be five minutes or an hour at dinner on Saturday night or something like that. Those moments are crucial for the overall well-being of our marriage, I think. Yeah. And I think we talked about like what we love to connect over and every marriage may look a little different on what they connect. I mean, for me and you, it definitely is travel and nights out for a date night, like dinner and like you said, dressing up and having maybe a drink. But when the pandemic hit, we weren't able to do a lot of that travel. So, you know, I think me and you both had that maybe dream. I I did that when Ryan would be born, we would take him on our travels, right? Because we traveled, me and you traveled so much before we had Ryan and we were like, we'll scoop Ryan up and we'll go. But the pandemic made that extremely difficult because of, you know, COVID restrictions and, you know, all the limitations there. And then with date nights, also with COVID and, you know, in Florida, things didn't really close, but just also became childcare. You know, me and you don't have family around. We had a nanny, lost a nanny, had another great nanny. She left. Like we never really had that stability to have the date night, which was so important for us. So I remember there was a point I reached a point where I felt kind of sad and almost burnt out that I was like, I don't feel like I can connect with you. And that's when you brought up the check-ins like, hey, we don't really need to have all of these things. We need to make it a point to have those evening check-ins when I'm not working. And before we do anything, you know, my evenings kind of look like this. Either we watch a show together and if there's no show that is new and we like, we used to watch This Is Us and now it's over. Um, You know, Gaurav may watch some sports or watch something and then I'll maybe work on Pete's doc talk stuff. And it can, like he said, it can get very easy to just get into that autopilot of I'll just work on Pete's doc talk stuff. He'll just watch his own thing, but that we don't even talk to each other. And so now we take that 30, you know, sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes, like you said, it's only five minutes, but it, it really helps. And one of the nicest things, like I remember we had one of those like a few weeks ago and you just turned to me and you were like, this really helps me. And I was like, oh, like just because, you know, we were going through some hard times and you were like, it just really helps to talk. And I was like, it really does help to talk. And 
sometimes we forget it. Like the person that you chose to spend your life with, like we just, again, go into the motions and you just kind of forget that. Let me, let me talk to them. Like I need to spend that moment and not rush. And it's so hard as parents, you know, because you have a child and you're doing so much for that child. And then you obviously, maybe you work, maybe you have other things you have to do that you do get into that tasky mode. And that tasky mode can rip away the romance, can rip away all that things that really can, you know, make us feel that connection again. And romance is, you know, in in marriage, I look at romance as two different things, right? Obviously people think like it's the physical romance, but also it's this spiritual, emotional connection. It's this talking, like we talk about, like to me, that is so important as well that I think people need to remember that that is also very important connection that is very helpful for the marriage and any relationship. Yeah, you made a great point that, you know, romance can go by the wayside uh, as parents and whatnot, but romance doesn't have to look like what it looks like on TV. And I think a lot of people get lost. And again, that expectation that that's what romance looks like, like it's dressing up and it's passionate and all of these things. And, you know, as the years go by, I think a lot of relationships, you lose that initial flame, that initial rush that you had when you first started dating. But everybody has to remember that that's normal with anything in life. Mm -hmm. And your relationship evolves over time. And it's not going to look the same that it did when you first met as young 20-somethings in New York City with no responsibilities. And, And it's an understanding that your life will evolve, your relationship will evolve. It's going to look different than it did a year ago. Now you throw in things outside of it on a daily basis. And it can be a lot to overcome. And it can really put a strain on a relationship. And I think you would agree that, you know, we've had more frequent moments of difficulty in the last two years, just between you and I, just due to all of these outside factors that we couldn't control. And I think it did put a strain on our marriage for a short period of time. And I think we were short with each other and we were kind of dismissive Mm -hmm. and maybe we did help a little bit of resentment towards the situation and we just didn't know how to express it at the time. Yeah. Um, And it's those moments in life where it's important to recognize what's going on and then take a step back and be like, Hey, the only way that we're going to get through this life upheaval or whatever it is. And I always harp on this Mona and you'll agree is that to always remind myself that we're on the same team, that we're not fighting against each other. We're fighting with each other and that it's us versus a pandemic. It's us versus loss of childcare. It's us versus, you know, secondary infertility. Uh, It's us versus Ryan getting sick every four or five days. So I always Mm -hmm. come back to that concept that it's never me and you. And I never, (laughs) you know, and you know, I like to to say this in conversations, whatever, like, I don't like to use the word I or you when we're talking about a situation. I always like to use the word us because it's always us versus something. It's never me versus Mm -hmm. you. Uh, And that's something that's very important to me because it's so easy to divide one another amongst stressors in life or whatever it may be. What would you say is like, the big mindset shift that you've learned in the last two years. And I guess it, it coincides with the pandemic too, right? But in general, in marriage, like in the last six years that we've been married, 
what has been the biggest thing that you've kind of learned as a take home on how we have to continue to, you know, grow? I think that the last two years for me, and this just goes back to like, you know, who we are and, you know, both being physicians and very driven and very process oriented and goal oriented and our whole lives. And I think you'll agree have been very much controllable in the sense that do A and you will get B, do B and then you will get C. And then once you finish med school, you'll residency and all of that stuff. And so we've both grown up in this controlled environment and the last two years have really shown me or both of us how little in life we actually have control over, right? That was difficult for me to accept and to deal with, as you know, especially early on in the pandemic and more so with Ryan's birth trauma and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. So for me, the biggest perspective or shift that I've had in the last two years, and this is applicable to our relationship, is just acceptance for what is in front of me and not trying to focus in on what I thought would be or what I thought should be or unmet expectations and really just accepting our life for what it is right now knowing that this is a temporary moment in time, knowing that tomorrow could bring something great or it could bring something tragic. And I have no control Mm -hmm. over either one of those things. And so for me, it's been an eye opener to come to that realization that there's very little in life that I have control over. But the things that I do have control over are the things that I'm going to prioritize. And those are some of the things that we spoke about, right? I'm going to prioritize making sure that I'm connected with my wife. I'm going to prioritize moments with my son when he's running around the living room or wants to jump on my back and ride a horse. <laughs> like I'm going to cherish those moments because if anything, the pandemic has shown to me more firsthand than anyone else. I've seen the death and destruction. I've seen the the 30-year-olds die in front of me the young parents i've seen it all i've seen a lot more tragedy in my lifetime than most people will ever experience in their whole entire life and i still see it every day and finally becoming a father i think has allowed me to really take a step back and realize that wow there is so much that of life that is outside my control um but i'm going to not focus on that i'm going to focus on the things that i can control and so I'm going to focus in on making sure that you and I are communicating well, that we're checking in on each other, that we're there for each other in their moments of need, that we're picking up the slack when somebody else is having a bad day or when you're just not up to it or whatnot. And just kind of reminding myself of that has really been something that has been a big evolution for me in the last two years. And it's something that I'm still growing with and still learning. Um, and it's still a work in progress, but I will say all of those moments of pain, the birth trauma, the pandemic, while in the moment were super painful, looking back on all of those things, I'm kind of grateful that they've happened because it has allowed me to gain that wisdom. It's allowed me to grow as a human, grow as a father, grow as a husband. And so I'm really thankful for those experiences. Uh, and that is why I love you so much because it's so hard in the moment to look at these events. And I don't think anyone 
anyone should ever believe that in that moment you should be feeling like the why of that moment. But yes, we have gone through a lot and it can take me and you different amount of times, right? To process the grieving of whatever we're going through to figure out what can I learn from this or how have I grown from this? You know, I recorded a whole podcast about when life throws you lemons and you're just tired of making lemonade because it was like, sometimes it's just so heavy. And I think sometimes we feel like we're forced to act a certain way or move through this a certain way. And it's giving each other grace and giving ourselves grace way more. And I just am so glad that you could come and talk about this. Obviously I want like everyone had questions about, you know, how do you even cope as an ER doctor? Like all of these things. And maybe you'll come on again um, to do another podcast episode because I've seen what you've done the last two years um, as a father. But again, you were also an ER doctor in a pandemic and that is grief and trauma in itself because being an ER doctor is already a lot of stuff that you see before a pandemic, right? You see a lot of injuries, you see a lot of deaths, you see a lot of not so great things. You see humanity suffering on a daily basis. And then you have to come home and play horsey, like you said, with our son and obviously be present for me and do all of that. I know we could talk way more about this, but how do you go to work and see all the things that you see? I mean, obviously you see a lot of difficult things and I know you see some great things too, but a lot of it is very hard. And how do you come home and you know, be present for me and do horsey rides with Ryan and all of the things that you mentioned, what has been some things that have helped you to kind of, again, cope with all of that and be more present and find more peace in marriage and as a father? Uh, well, let's see. A lot of compartmentalizing, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that, you know, you know well, too, in medicine. They ingrain that in you very early on in training that you compartmentalize and that you don't show any emotion and that you just go on with your business, which is not a real healthy way of dealing with what I see specifically on a daily basis. So I think therapy has been really helpful for me. And I first started therapy during the pandemic when I was coming off of dealing with Ryan's birth trauma and then being thrust into this unknown territory with this pandemic. And my anxiety and stress was at an all-time high and I wasn't coping with it in a very healthy way. And so that was the first time I ever sought mental health help um, and I've continued it since. And it's been a real game changer in my my daily life and my daily routine to have these weekly check-ins with a professional who can help me process a lot of what I do see and not only what I see, but what also, you know, process my own childhood and the traumas that I experienced as a child and putting that all together is allowing me to evolve to be, you know, a better, more present dad for Ryan, a better husband for you, and just more importantly, a better person for myself and doing it more for me. So yes, work is extremely difficult. And some of the things that I see are extremely difficult to process. But I've gone away from compartmentalizing them uh, into actually speaking about them openly with my therapist and talking through what it all means um, has helped immensely. And I would implore anyone who has the resources or has the time that, you know, if you are finding yourself struggling or compartmentalizing a lot of life, that it's important to reach out and it doesn't even have to be a therapist. I think just having this one-on-one talk and communication with another human being is the most important thing. You know, call up a friend, call up 
a mentor or a family member or somebody and just talk through it. And I guarantee you'll feel, you know, 50% better than you did before you picked up the phone and called the person. And, you know, going back to what we were saying, that's not something that's always been easy for me. I've been compartmentalizing my whole life. Yeah. And, you know, compartmentalizing childhood traumas and, and all those things. And I've just been suppressing a lot of it for decades. And it's not easy to bring all that to the surface. And it's been painful at times. Uh, it's been uncomfortable. But I made a commitment to be the best version of myself for you and for Ryan. And so I'm going to continue to put that work in and put that effort in so that I could be a better husband and a better father and a better version of myself. And I love you so much for that. And we both have gone through, you know, especially in the last two years, um, on and off therapy. We both saw therapists together after Ryan's delivery. And then we individually saw therapists after Ryan's delivery. And then throughout the last two years, we both have seen therapists individually. And it really has helped. Um, like you said, like when you started seeing a therapist more regularly in the last few months with everything that was happening with work and whatnot, like that's when we kind of started doing those check-ins more. And I loved it. I mean, I actually loved talking with you about, Hey, what did you take home from therapy or what have I been trying to be better at? You know, I have been trying to be better at so many different things in terms of stress management and, you know, letting things go and all of these things. And so it's just so nice to bring all of that together. And I love you so much because I just feel like your desire for self-growth is just so evident and thank you for like finding me and, and obviously being my husband, but also just thank you for coming on here today and sharing everything that you did, um, you know, and being vulnerable with me. I know you're vulnerable with me now more than ever, which I love, but also with everyone, because I think it just helps to, you know, normalize these feelings and normalize the struggles. And obviously I hear the things that you saw as an ER doctor and I, you know, I'm very different than you. Like I can't compartmentalize, even though, you know, in medicine, we are kind of trained to kind of move on and like, you know, you can be empathetic and you can be kind, but you have to move on to the next patient. I still get very triggered and very emotional with very sad things. And that is how we're different, but I'm trying to be better at moving forward in those moments. You're trying to be better at being more vulnerable. And I just love that balance so much between the both of us, because I think we both learn from each other a lot because of our differences. Yeah, I would hundred percent agree that some people will look at another person and be like, oh, we're too different and it would never work or yeah. say things like that. You know, I, I think that one of our biggest strengths, and you commented on this earlier, is that we are so different in so many ways in how we respond to external stimuli and, and whatnot, that we're each other's teachers for a good portion of our existence. And that teaching and that evolution, you know, helps our marriage grow. Uh, and hopefully that'll continue as we move on to the next chapters of our lives. And yeah, those are the things that I'm most grateful for. I completely agree. And I cannot wait for more of our check-ins and for, you know, everyone to kind of tell me how they felt with this episode, because again, I just love that you could join me. And a lot of my followers had questions for you, just kind of rapid fire, fun questions. You know, I know our whole episode is more of this kind of spiritual level, connection level, finding joy, but this is kind of just five questions for you. Are you ready for them? All right. Okay. Lots of pressure, but I'm, but I'm ready. Okay. So first question is what was your first impression of Dr. Mona? My first impression of Dr. Mona was that she was really tall and that was awesome because I'm also really tall. So <laughs> that really worked for me. <laughs> and we didn't tell you, but yes, we, we met online 
on match.com and we talked for a month before we physically met. And so when, you know, you have an idea of what the person will look like, but you don't because you've never physically met. So yeah, same thing. I was like, wow, he's so tall. And I just obviously we'd FaceTimed and video chatted, but it was, um, yeah, people didn't know the backstory. Question number two, what was our wedding like? Uh, our wedding was magical. Um, (laughs) I love that word. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we put so much work and so much thought into every single detail that I always tell you this, that I wish I could have been a guest at my own wedding to experience what it was like, but it was just a magical day and everything went off without a hitch and it was beautiful and without an ounce of stress. And I'll just go, it's, it was magical. It was magical. That's such a good word. Like, yeah, we got married again, six years ago from the time of this, almost six years ago from the time of this recording. And it was perfect. I remember, and kind of the same thing. We, we put so much effort into that. Obviously most people do with their weddings, but it was perfect. Like I look back and there was nothing there that I was like, we should have done this differently. Everything went amazing. And yeah, it was a blast. I miss getting that many people into a room and having a party. Like it's been so long. Yeah. And to plan that California wedding from New York was oh, yes. extremely, extremely difficult, but I think we did a great job. Yeah. Okay, next question is, what's your favorite book? Uh, my favorite book, which is sitting on my nightstand next to my bed, is Victor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. Um, and uh, Victor Frankl is a psychiatrist who was uh, sent to uh, Auschwitz in the Holocaust era. And he just spoke about how the people who ended up surviving the concentration camps were the ones that never lost hope that they would see their families and friends again. And the ones that always believed that they would get out eventually. And it's just such a great reminder that no matter what struggles you may endure in life and what happens that if you always remain hopeful that, you know, there'll always be some brighter days ahead. And that is kind of the purpose of the Finding Joy series is creating more hope, even in pain, which I know we've been through. Oh, I love that. Okay, third, fourth question. If you weren't an ER doctor, what would you want to do? If I wasn't an ER doctor, I would be an interior designer. I can attend. Oh, you are, you would be amazing. We don't obviously show much of our house, like all of our house on social or anything for obviously all the people, but he designed everything in our home. Everything was pieced together where you would think that it was all bought in one place, but no, he just has such an eye for this stuff. And I just love it. Um, okay. Last question. What is your favorite type of food? What is my favorite type of food? Um, I think we both have the same type of favorite food, but I think we both love like Southeast Asian, whether it's like Korean food or Japanese or sushi or ramen or anything Southeast Asian, anything I could get super, super spicy, I think is right up our alley. Yep, pretty much. It is exactly true. And Gaurav, thank you so much for joining. It's so weird, like telling my own husband, like, thank you for joining me on this episode. But of, of course, he is a guest on this podcast. And I just love, love, love what you shared with everyone today. Obviously, it's stuff that we talk about all the time. So nothing new for me. Um, but any final message for everyone listening today on finding joy in marriage and parenting? Uh, well, first, I want to say thanks for having me on. It was a bit uh, 
intimidating and uh, nerve wracking to be on this <laughs> podcast, knowing how many people listen to it. Um, but it was fun. Uh, but my, I guess my last message was, uh, I guess if I could sum up everything that we talked about, I would sum it up with the word, and you mentioned this, the word grace. Have grace for the other person. Have grace for yourself. Be forgiving instead of uh, reactive. Remain empathetic. Remain humble. And just understand that you may not understand the other person completely at all, ever. And that's okay. And to just give the other person some grace to work through whatever it is that they're working through. Give them time and give them space, whatever they may need. And understand that at the end of the day, you are only responsible for your own way in which you show up in your relationship. And that's the only thing that you can honestly control. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'd sum it up. Love it. And I will see you downstairs. <laughs> Thanks again for joining me. And for everyone listening, if you love the Finding Joy series or the podcast in general, please make sure you leave a review or a rating. It's what helps the podcast grow. And if you love this episode in particular and you want to hear more from my husband, I can't make any guarantees, but leave a review, especially for this episode as well, wherever you can. And thanks for joining us. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, PedsDocTalkTV. We'll talk to you soon. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.